It's time for Morning Soulshine with Bridget, a podcast where we interview people who express their stories of triumph. I'm your host, Certified Life and Mindset Coach, Bridget Gibson. You're listening to Morning Soulshine with Bridget, and on this month, we are recognizing Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we recognize the victims as well as the survivors Um, and before we get started with this interview i would like to say a prayer loving god be with all men and women who are in doubt about their intimate relationships give them clarity of mind and peaceful hearts so that they can make good decisions guided by your love let those who must discern any abuse that may exist so that they can learn to care for themselves with your help. Let those who must acknowledge that they are harming the other so that they can learn to abhor their own behavior. On today, we welcome Mrs. Yolanda Carter. She's a survivor of domestic violence. Welcome, Mrs. Carter. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. I want to thank you, Bridget, for the opportunity for me on your platform to share my um, near-fatal domestic assault um, tragedy, which um, I know that things happen for a reason. And I want to just say thank you again for allowing me the opportunity to be a part of your, your platform today. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And you and I met on Clubhouse. You were actual a guest um, telling your story. And I was so moved by what I heard that I, you know, DM'd you. And I was like, hi, could you be on my podcast? And you was like, yes. And I really, really appreciate it. And your story is just, you know, horrific. I can't even imagine what you've gone through in these last few years. Can you tell us about your story? Okay, yes, I can. Um, Well, my name is Yolanda Carter again, and uh, I was a near-fatal domestic assault victim by the hands of my live-in partner of eight years. And um, eight years, um, it wasn't just on and off. It was kind of on and off. With the relationship, I was not married to him, but uh, this guy was very charming, very charismatic, uh, very attentive. But there was a dark side that sometimes that we don't know. We can be in a relationship with someone and really not even know them. And uh, with that being said, um, there was not a lot of physical abuse going on in the relationship. I want to say it was mainly more so verbal, uh, emotional um, manipulation. Um, He was also uh, verbally, um, you know, just disrespectful at times, belittling me, my children and stuff like that. He would throw my belongings down, you know, if he get mad. And a lot of times I would just blame it on his Um, you know, just being a little bit intoxicated and not really knowing that um, he was using drugs. What that's what came out in the end. But 
as the relationship was going on, you know, he started, his pattern had started changing. His behaviors was changing. Uh, even with the family, the family started realizing that uh, he was not coming around as much and doing things that he used to do with us. And that was kind of like an eye opener, but because of being in denial, and one thing about a, a person that has been abused, you don't really see it. Everybody else seems to see things that you really don't see because we don't have we have those blinders on. We look at it that, oh, this person is not going to do anything. He's, he loves me. And that's what I thought. You know, I, people would tell me, Yolanda, be careful. And I was like, oh, this man loves me. You know, he was my knight in shining armor. And, you know, I, I was just looking at domestic violence being black eyes and bruises and just someone physically abusing you and not really knowing the full cycle of an abuse. So when I learned about what uh, the patterns of what uh, domestic violence really is, it's a form of power and control. Uh, it's manipulation. It's, it's a mental, it's verbal, it's psychological, financial, even spiritual abuse that women are uh, facing. Not only women go through domestic violence abuse, there are men that, that goes through it as well. So the most important thing is to make sure that we are always um, informed. We are always educated on what to look for, the red flags and warning signs. And when I tell you the red flags and warning signs, the writing was definitely on the wall. So because of me not um, paying attention, I was in denial. You know, sometimes they gaslight you, telling you that, oh, what's wrong with you? This is not really going on. You must be crazy, you know, making you feel like something is wrong that you're doing wrong. And uh, as time go on, uh, I had to put this gentleman out. And I know people say, why do you say he's a gentleman? Because gentlemen don't do things like that. But, you know, he was a true gentleman in my eyes because it was it was not all bad. Now, I'm not going to say the relationship was a perfect relationship. And that's just what any relationship that we go through. Th that, there's no perfect relationship unless, I mean, if it is, kudos to you, okay? But uh, in the past relationship that I've experienced, um, we all have ups and downs. There's some bumps in the road that we do have to cross at times. But you so, never thought he would do what he did to you, right? Oh, my God, no. Because you could not tell me. This guy, I'm telling you, when I was sick, he would nurse me back to health. I mean, he was a very clean guy, cook. I mean, when when the food is done, when I'm, you know, because I was a line dancer, I worked two jobs and he was a very hardworking guy himself. He had come home from work. He had cooked full course meals. And, and if I was gone and I'm coming back in, I would um, come in and he would come down and park the car and, you know, he would make sure, let me know, you know, just let me know when you're coming in, I will have your plate ready and hot on the, you know, on the, on the counter and stuff like that. So I was just looking at all the good things. Yeah. That so, so when you put him out, um, did you realize at that time or had he sought any type of mental health help? Well, no, he did not. And you know what? I really started thinking, um, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist or anything. But I do know that there was some past hurt that was going on in his life from his family, from his upbringing. And I believe that sometimes when we have some past childhood traumas that's in our life that we have 
challenged them or even got help for. I believe that's one of the things that um, he was going through. And uh, I guess he didn't know how to deal with it. And I guess sometimes you lash out at the wrong people. So I believe it was some hitting uh, some things that uh, was underneath the surface that I did not know. Um, but I did see a little bit of it coming here and there. And I mean, he would call me the B word and you would think, okay, that's, if somebody is calling you names, I said, why would you be with somebody like that? But I guess cousin, I'm going to be very transparent. A lot of times when we are with a significant other, we not only in it because of love, we in it because we don't know if it's love or lust, first of all. Mm -hmm. Then uh, it's about the, the, like they say, for the love of money, is the root of all evil. And you look at all the material things, all the money and all the great things that they do for you. And then when you say, oh, wow, if, you know, I don't want to leave this person because he's doing all these great things for me. I can handle it. I mean, I thought I had it all under control. I thought it was just something that was normal. And a lot of we do, we do normalize a lot of behaviors that we look because we dismiss a lot of it. And we make excuses for bad behaviors. And that's the thing that we do. And we are in denial because we look at the fact that, oh, don't nobody else know this person. I know him besides what y'all just basically see, you know, outside of what everybody else see. Oh, he's not that type of person. Mm -hmm. And that's what he didn't portray to be that type of person to everybody else. But the person that's living in the house, Louise, we are the ones that really see the, you know, it's the uh, people, the outside looking in and they don't really see what we are really experiencing. So we don't want to tell people, oh, this person is doing all these bad things because they're going to look at you like, why are you dealing with this type of stuff? Exactly. But with things and really never think that we would deal with them because I used to be and I'm gonna be honest I used to be saying why do women let these men do these things but until it, you start walking in those shoes you can never judge nobody for what they have gone through because you don't know if you will be put in that same position everybody's not as strong as other people and a lot of things I may allow you may not allow and a lot of things you may allow I may not allow so you know it's like a uh, 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 um, up and down thing, but domestic violence is just like taboo. It's just like an elephant in a room. It that is. We it is. About. Because, you know, I've been doing um, domestic violence awareness since 2013, mm -hmm. and it's been a very um, interesting path because yes. you think you, you know, you think you're helping bring awareness, but yes. people don't want to he hear it. No, it's like they don't. Yeah, it's kind of like this is something that we don't want to talk about. Yes. And, you know, I'll see people, you know, outside of social media and they'll tell me like, oh, you're doing a great job. Keep going. But yes. they, you know, they will not acknowledge Support it. it. They right, yes. absolutely, and people so just yes. don't. It's like, like I said, it's an elephant in the room that we just don't want to address. We know what's happening, but in our eyes, we just try to sweep everything up under the rug, like it's just something that okay, this hopefully it'll go away. But yeah, because it's our loved ones, you know, this yes. is people that we love. Yes, we, you know, and we're with them every day. They're not like yes. that. Most of the times, you know, they're not like that every day. No, and it's like no. you know, it's in our house. We don't want to bring it outside the house. Yes, absolutely. And you know, we may 
say we love the person, but we hate the abuse. And we feel that sometimes we can change people. We can, ladies, we will never, ever be able to change no one. So don't think that you can change a person because remember what they show you. Remember, that's exactly who they are. So don't never think that a person's going to change unless they just did a whole reincarnation. But mainly, if they, this is what they show you. This is exactly who they are. And we have to believe and we have to trust and know that we can get out of a situation. And I didn't think that I had to get out of something because, like I said, domestic violence to me was just black eyes and bruises because in my first encounter of domestic violence that I did not think that I had to rehash or to really, you know, dig up from my past. That was physical. That was more physical than anything, you know. So, so you were you were in a prior relationship? Oh, my. Yes. 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 And uh, then after after I realized, after all the relationships that I realized, every relationship was a domestic abusive relationship and not saying that all of them was physical, but there was um, belittling, disrespect, making you feel worthless, making you feel like you always the problem. Like it's, if it wasn't like this, it would be you the problem. And it's always something turned around on you just to take the blame off of themselves. So, yeah. so do you think maybe, um, you know, because of how you, you know, how you view domestic violence, you think you attracted the same type of person? I believe I did. And you know what? People have asked me, Yolanda, what could have been? Was it uh, insecure or low self-esteem? No, I'm very insecure. I mean, no, sorry, not insecure at all. I'm not insecure. I'm very secure within myself and I, I don't have no low self-esteem. I'm not that, hey, y'all, I'm that, hey, y'all type of person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not the type of person that really, I don't, I don't like drama. First of all, I don't like the argument. I don't like to be accused of things. And, and in this relationship that this person tried to take my life. He would accuse me of things. He would blame me for things and, you know, make up things like it was not existing. And I'm like, something ain't right. I'm thinking that this man, because in this age and because we are 11 year or a different age difference. Um, I'm 53 and he's 63. He'd be sick. Mm -hmm. In fact, his birthday is on Halloween. So, um, it was just a lot of things that I was going through that I was in denial with. I was just kept sweeping it up under the rug. I was dismissing it. And but one thing I'm gonna tell you, ladies, or whoever is on the um the line, I just want to say one thing: when you are being abused, you will become someone that will start abusing as well. And when I say that, I found myself being an abuser towards him as well because I felt that, oh, you know, you saying these things or trying to hurt me. I want to hurt you even worse. So I was trying to figure out ways to really, really dig down in him and get him. So I'm feeling like, okay, you trying to inflict pain on me. I'm going to inflict it back and I'm yeah. just back to you in return. Yeah, Not you were, it was self-preservation right. at that point. Huh? So I said it was self-preservation at that point. You Absolutely. Were, yeah, you and were trying to take care of yourself. Me. And, right. And you know something? I was never that type of person. I would never disrespect my mate or nothing. It just seemed that he just turned me into somebody that I wasn't. And I started feeling like I don't even care anymore. It's like I say something and just didn't. I mean, honestly, it was just like I did not care. 
I was feeling like, man, Yolanda, this is not even you. But I was like, okay, well, so what? You know, and and, and it will it will cause you to become an abuser. And that's the hard part about it because you like this is not even me. Mm-hmm. But and you know, treated like this for no reason. I'm being accused of stuff that I know I'm not doing. That's the worst thing to be accused of something that you know you're not doing. But they badger you about it, saying you did this and you did that, and you know you didn't do it. Oh my God, that's the worst feeling in the world. So Yolanda, when you put him out, what happened after that? Well, I okay, I put him out maybe a total of four times. The first time I put him out, and you know, every time I put him out, it was for different reasons. And I think because of more so of the disrespect and, you know, doing things that he was just doing a little bit too much for, for me. And uh, when I put him out, of course, you know, they'll call crying, oh, baby, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Please, I can't, you know, I can't stay out in these streets. I don't have nowhere to go. I need you. I love you. You're not what I say you was. I'm sorry. I never do it again. And we start believing it. And then we have compassion and we start, you know, saying, oh, okay. So my thing was like, okay, I'm going to let them stay out there maybe a few more days and then I'll let them come back because I was feeling bad too, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what they did. You still have a, a, a you know, a heart. I, I, I do have a heart, and I didn't want to see him like that. And you know, I just felt like he's a weak man because I felt like a, any man that can't fend from himself, you're a weak person. And but it, through it all, I still allow him to come back. And then we just act like things never happened. It was never a conversation about the stuff that happened. We just move forward like it just. It happened and just like it never happened again. You know what I'm saying? But then it happened again. But every time, you know, when you have a, 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 a altercation or whatever, it was never a physical altercation, but it was, you know, it was enough physically. Um, he did one day grab me and bust my lip or whatever. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm telling my family, oh, yeah, he did, my lip busted or whatever, but mm-hmm. didn't mean it. You know, I, like I said, we make excuses. Bad behaviors, and because he had no business grabbing me, he had no business doing whatever he did. But I, you know, I still covered up and like, oh, okay, this is nothing. Uh, you know, he's he, he okay, and that's one thing about being abused, and you have family members and people that's in your life that you know you don't want to tell because, first of all, they know you're gonna still be with that person, they yeah. know eventually you're gonna you know make up excuses you're gonna say oh you know they didn't do it it wasn't you know it was an accident we we do that just to cover it up and uh and to, to say safe uh to, to sake a face you know the face and just don't want people to really know and then uh of course when he come around the family the friends and you with him you don't want nobody being like girl why are you with that man you know he ain't good for you you don't want to hear that kind exactly of stuff. exactly you kind of like keep it up under wraps you you you, you know you wear that mask and you cover it up and you don't say nothing because you don't want nobody to be in your business so you that's what we do and we are you I, like i always say we are paid actresses you know, actresses, and you know, we basically paid to shut up. We basically paid to, you know, not say nothing and just do as they say and just keep it together. You know, because we're gonna get the money, we're gonna get our bills paid, we're gonna get all these things. The the the, you know, like they say, we we like all these things that we know material things. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We go for these material things and what they can do for us. What about I felt like sometimes I was um, losing myself. Because when a person is doing so much for you, giving you money, putting you on a joint account, buying this and doing that, and you feel like, wow, he even told me to lose my job. I mean, quit my job. And I was like, I thought about it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to quit my job because I know he got me. But see, that's the thing. Those are tactics that we have to pay attention to. Well, I appreciate you being so transparent with us tonight, you know, because sometimes we can lie to ourselves, you know, and you're being very transparent. And I know someone out there is listening to you and accepting what you're saying because they're going through the same thing and they have the same thoughts. And so it's very refreshing to hear someone tell the truth, you know. Absolutely. And, and you know, so. That's one thing I want to do. I want to be very transparent with the listeners. I want to be honest because sometimes I felt that I wasn't being honest about the uh, abuse and and knowing, thinking that I had a voice. Now I know I have a voice. I know how to say when I'm uncomfortable, when I don't like how you're treating me or what you to me. I, I know how to say that now. For a long time, I didn't have a voice. I didn't know that I could say these things or without being a confrontation or being felt like I'm the one that's, you know, doing wrong when I know I'm not doing it, but it, it, it's always turned on you and it makes you feel bad for something that you didn't even do. Amen. So that's so, what was so Yolanda, what got you to this point? What was the the turning point for you in this relationship? Okay, well, the turning point to the relationship was, I think that I started seeing a lot of things that I didn't like, Uh, a lot of red flags as far as him, you know, I think started drinking a little bit too much, being disrespectful, and, you know, especially with my kids, and that's one thing I told him, I said, I'm I'm here, you here today at Amar, don't you ever disrespect my children. So what really was the breaking and no other choice, but I had to be be away from him because when he tried to take my life, March 22nd, 2016. Can you tell us that story? Yes, ma'am. Well, um, March 22nd, 2016 was the day I could never, ever forget. This was a day, um, it's just like a movie, you know, you know, like a movie or a horror flick. But God, I'm here today to share my story with the world. Amen. Well, I want to lead up until the day of, uh, it was a normal, it was a normal day on a Friday. Me and my son, and then we normally get up every day at around the same time, 5.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30, we'd be at the house about 6 o'clock, 6.30. I had to be at work at 7, and you have to be at work at 7 as well, but uh, I would always take them to work. And I take my son to school. And, it, you know, that's how we started our day. And um, this was a Friday, a day that he didn't get, he got paid. And for some reason, I guess he already had, you know, what he was going to do. And um, when we all came home, he never came home. There was no call or show. So as I proceeded that night, I just was like, okay. So I got up on Saturday, me and my son, we went to the game room downtown and, um, you know, I had my own car. He didn't have a car, but um, this particular time, I guess he uh, he went to work and he went on some type of bench. And, um, he, you know, he would, I would kind of like watch the patterns, 
because when he would get paid, you know, he would leave out at 12 o'clock midnight, go, you know, fill my car up with gas. And uh, but sometimes he would kind of not come back in, in within hours. And you're going to Indiana to put some gas in the car now. And, you, and it don't take all day, but he would always say, oh, I'm at the casino. I'm, you know, doing this and pumping gas or whatever. I'm playing slots or whatever. But when I look at the bank account, because he had me on a joint account, it would be, um, I would see Bank of America on a certain street. And I'm like, that don't look like that. Don't look, that's not no, you know, no casino. So then I started seeing the money come out the account, like in large amounts of money. So sometimes what I would do, I would say, oh, okay, he's not getting ready to spend all this money. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not going to spend all this money today. So what I would do, I would take all the money out of his account, and then I would just put it in my account because I felt that we still have bills. We still got things to do. So whatever you out here doing, you're not going to finish doing it. So that was that was a couple of times. But then I would bring it to him, and I would say, you know, that seemed like, you know, are you using drugs? Oh, no, you know, you get very defensive. Oh, no, I'm not using drugs. I don't do. They do drops on my job. So I was kind of like, yeah, he's right. You know, manipulation is not no joke. You know, they were like, yeah, okay. So I believed them and I just was like, okay. But it kept happening. And uh, like I said, I was in denial about it and I just let it go. I always dismissed it. So I would, you know, those times, I didn't know that he had started using drugs after I found out, you know, um, the truth, you know, uh, I guess the, the drugs told him to kill me. So on um, the, as we came on, he had left and he did not come back for days. So after those three days that he was gone, he decided all his money was gone and he wanted to come back. And that's when I was like, I don't even want to be bothered. I didn't want to answer the phone. I didn't, you know, I just kind of ignored him. So he kept calling my phone and he was, uh, you know, trying to get him reach him, but I was ignoring him. So I knew I was going to eventually have to answer um, because I knew he was going to have to come home and get ready for work. And because, you know, you got to do this stuff all over again because this was the weekend. And so I finally answered the call on Monday, which when I was getting my son from school. So I was like, hello. He was like, hello, are you at home? And I'm like, no, I'm getting my son from school. And, um, I mean, he was just obsessively calling me back and back to back to back. And I was like, something ain't right. I mean, I'm telling him I'm not at home, which he knew I wasn't at that particular time, but not knowing that he was already at the building when I dropped my son off because I was going to get me and my son something to eat, not really paying attention that he was already in the, uh, you know, in the building, around the building. So I proceeded to go get something to eat. And my son, you know, went in the house. But apparently he knew my son was there because he kept ringing the door. My son said he kept ringing the doorbell back and back and back and back. So he knew he was there because he seen him. So he kept calling me. Are you at home? So if you know that I was gone and you watch me, you know, I'm not. I guess he thought like, OK, she's just out running around doing whatever. So I went to go get my, me and my son something to eat. So as I'm coming back, I don't know. Something told me to park my car around the corner. So I proceeded to walk around from parking my car around the corner and when I got close to the um to the building um I was like a few inches from the doorway and all of a sudden he stepped out on me and I froze 
So he was like, oh, I thought she was gone. And I'm like, okay, I'm back, whatever, whatever. So he proceeded to talking about, oh, you know, the doctor said I'm stressed out and all this stuff I didn't really want to hear because in my mind, your money, what they got to do with anything? You was gone this whole weekend, your money gone and whatever. So me, my man, when we got upstairs, he asked me, he was like, can I take a shower? But, you know, just out of, you know, just spiteful, I was like, no. And I really didn't mean, I, I really didn't mean, you know, you're going to take a shower. And I didn't even know why. If you stay there, why would you ask me, can you take a shower in the first place? So, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, whatever. So I was like, I'll take a shower so you can get ready for work, whatever. So he proceeded to take a shower. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this man was in the bath to, in the bathroom for like maybe two hours at least, I believe. So as I go and I'm, I'm in the living room still, uh, my son uh, made me realize that he did uh, say, well, can I get the key card so he can wash his clothes? I don't remember that, but um, that's what he was telling me. And he, he proceeded to um, go and lay down. And I want to say that was like, like about 10 o'clock that night. So as uh, I'm in the living room, you know, doing my own little thing, watching TV. And, you know, we on Facebook looking at all our things we're doing. So I just decided to, um, you know, just hang out for a while. I knew I had to get ready to take my shower because I knew I had to be up for work for the next morning. So I end up going to um, bed around 12. I want to say between 12 and 12.30, because that's what time I would go to bed, sometimes 10.30, 11. It all depends on me. So um, I end up going to bed. And uh, the thing about it is that I did not wake up the same way I went to sleep. So when I say uh, that knight in shining armor, the person that I trusted with my life, Someone that I thought that was, that loved me, he went and got a hammer and he beat me like I was a rag down. He beat me so bad. He left me in a pool of blood to die. But God, but God, y'all, grace and mercy. And because of God and my son, I am here today. If you have never seen a miracle before, you are looking at one. You are listening to a miracle. And because of my just believing God, knowing that I can live and not die, and when the paramedics and all the sirens, because I was hearing faint sounds of, you know, everything I was in and out. I didn't know what was going on. And all I asked was, what happened to me? And that's when my son said, Mama, he beat you with a hammer. And I said, well, why would he do something like that? And I looked in the mirror. My face was so disfigured. Mm -hmm. Left me with part of my brains in the bed. God. I am here and I want anybody to know that domestic violence is real. This man crushed my skull. I have a metal plate lodged in my head. All of my facial bones were broken and shattered on the left side of my face that caused me to have to lose my left eye. I have 
had to have braces on my teeth to build the bones back so I can smile again. I have multiple gashes in the back of my head. I had already had 13 reconstructive surgeries. And when I tell you, God is amazing. I don't look like what I've been through. It was so, so damaging that I had so many damages that was done. Even the doctors told me, ma'am, people don't survive this. And I told them, I said, but God, because I believe that God wanted me here for a reason, to make sure that I am to here to inspire, to empower, and to motivate other women or some men that's going through domestic violence abuse to let them know that they are not alone. And it's never your fault. And you do have options. So remember, if you are under the sound of my voice and you are in a domestic violence relationship, knowing that it's never your fault. And remember that you can get out, but you have to get out safely. You have to create a safety, safety plan. Get with someone that you can trust. Uh, have a professional if you have to, to help you. There are resources out here to help people. There are national domestic violence hotline numbers that we need to make sure that we get out here to you guys. We also know that we need to shed light on domestic violence because domestic violence has spiked up so much. And um, can you imagine 20 people per minute is being affected by domestic violence? Right now, someone is being affected by it. But remember that it's not where you've been, it's where you've gone. It takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of courage to be able to share what you have gone through because a lot of people would have like not even wanted to talk about it. They don't feel like we just want to shove it up under the rug. That's like it's not existent. This is existent. This is real. This is my life. And I want to people to see me because I want people to see that no matter what you look like, you're still beautiful. And I had to learn that. I was thinking like, oh my God, I look like a monster. But God. God, and you are beautiful. I love who I am you today. You are absolutely beautiful. I love who I am today. I had to learn that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. I have a voice now. I'm able to talk about it. I'm able to share my story with the world. I'm able to help other women or anybody that's going through it to let them know that it's okay and to listen because a lot of times people don't want us to talk they just want to listen they want us to listen sometimes don't be judging no one don't discredit people for what their abuse was because don't, don't nobody know what the person had to go through so it's important for us to make sure that we raise awareness and we know that domestic violence is something that we always need to uh, shed light on. And it's important to make sure we let people know that it's okay. And, it, it, and if they're going through it, it's okay. You can talk about it. But if you're not, for, you, we can't force nobody to do nothing. You have to do it on your own timing. Amen. Amen. And I have that 800 number to um, the National DV hotline. It's 1-800-799-7233. And we're just so happy that you're here with us, Yolanda. And I also want to recognize all the awards that you've received and you've gotten so much 
um, media coverage about what you've gone through. Can you share some of that with us? Yes, actually, um, you know, I, you know, sometimes things just be dropped in your lap. And when people start hearing your story, you start doing things. Um, when um, the people start hearing my story, someone reached out to the news media. They wanted to do the coverage. So my story had started with w, uh, WGN News. I was on Fox 32, um, Channel 7, ABC 7. I was on Windy City Live. I've been honored with the state's attorney, Kim Fox, with the uh, Courage Awards. And um, multitude, I mean, oh, my God, I have so many accolades and so many um, awards that when I looked at my Facebook page, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot. I've been honored by so many, many, many people. And I am so honored and blessed to be able to, you know, be on so many major platforms. I've even been on the platforms with Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. Uh, they had me on there. I've been on with the, the senators and, you know, um, a lot of people, major platforms. So I am very honored and blessed to be able to um, be on um, platforms such as that. You well, know. we're we're just honored to have you with us today, and you have been such an encouragement to us. And when we started this broadcast, I was looking at the pictures that you sent me. You know, the different articles and the pictures yeah. when you were in the hospital. And I yeah. just I got so choked up. I'm gonna have to redo this <laughs> intro because I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't finish it. So I'm gonna redo the intro, and we're gonna get it. You know, we'll get it right. <laughs> But okay, no oh my gosh, I'm just so pleased to know you. I'm just so Thank happy you. that you're here with me. And Thank is there you. anything else you would like to say to us tonight? Well, I do have, um, I am an author. I have a book out called One Eyewitness. Um, I'm still trying to wait for the, um, the, um, the website to come back up. Um, and um, I'm doing a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I try to, put myself in a lot of places where, I, where I'm needed. Um, I'm on a lot of subcommittees for domestic violence for the police uh, departments. Um, I'm on one of the uh, voices of domestic violence. Uh, I'm a our community outreach um, advocate for Metropolitan Family Services. Um, I do a lot of things, some things I can't remember, but I do so many things that sometimes you just can't remember everything. But um, yes, I just for the closing remarks, I just want to let you all know, please, if you are in a domestic violence relationship, that you're not alone and it's not your fault and you do have options and there is hope and there's help out here. Um, if you someone that you could just trust. Uh, always go to someone that you can you think that you can trust because everybody is not going to be someone that you can trust. Um, never feel like your abuse does not matter because whatever you've gone through, it truly matters. And um, that's basically, um, you know, if you see something, say something. If you know someone that's going through it, and you know their patterns, you know how they move, shake and move a lot, and you start seeing them flinching or moving around a certain type of way, they're being abused. And it let them know that, you know, it's okay, let's talk. Even if they don't want to talk about it, let them know that I know what's going on. And, you know, I'm just letting you know I'm, I am aware. 
always remember that there, you know, you have a, a safe place to go to and create a, a safety word if you are in a immediate danger and you can't um, call a friend or whatever. You always, yeah, you always make sure you you create a safe uh, a safety word or something that you can call somebody and they'll know exactly what you're going through and to get you some help. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're gonna be sure to post your book and the link to your website so um, people can order your book. And we're just so happy that you've been with us and we love you a lot. And this is Bridget and you've been listening to Morning Soulshine and we'll talk to you later this week. Thank you so much.